you guys are here today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Is something happening in Kansas City today? We're very excited. We're going to party today just to celebrate. We're going to party for the Chiefs. We're going to party for Jesus. So we've just got a few announcements before we get started in all of this partying. One is if you need this card, if you're new today, please grab it and fill it out and throw it in the back on your way out. We'd love to connect with you. There's so many cool things going on here at Southwoods. We want you to know about it. So please, if you're new today, fill it out so we know that you're here. We'd love to welcome you and really get you plugged in. Also, a new reading plan has started, so if you want to join us in that, all you have to do is scan the QR code. It's right there. We'll leave it up for a second. So just scan that, and you can read through Proverbs with us. It's a really easy one. Proverbs is really fun to read through, and it's only 30 days, so not a super long one. So please feel free to join us in that. And finally, the Daddy-Daughter Dance is going to be starting. Um, that's going to be February 17th. So if you've got a little kiddo or even a big kiddo that wants to come and just celebrate with her daddy, it's really fun. Even if, you know, if you're an uncle or a grandpa or somebody that just wants to show a girl, like, how to really be loved well, that's such a great time for that. So all this stuff's going on at Southwoods. We're getting ready to party. We're going to watch this video, and then we'll get started. Today, no matter where you are gathered, or how many you're gathered with, you are still his church. You are still his church. God's love hasn't changed. It is unending. It is infinite. It is deep. And believe when I say his love has power today. Power to free you, heal you, and to fill you. And restore you. God's mercy hasn't changed. He keeps no record of wrong. And his mercy is new every morning. The cross hasn't changed. It's still there for you and for me, no matter who you are or what you've done. This is what we need to be reminded of today. That wherever two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus is standing in our midst. This means the church hasn't changed. The church isn't a building. It is you and I together, with the spirit of God living in us, living through us. So today, as we come together, as we worship. Let us be reminded that we are still his church. God is here with us right now. And no matter what your past looks like or how scary your future may be, you can trust God. You can trust God. And because he is here with us, we have everything we need today. We are still his church. We are still his church. We are still his church. Go ahead and stand up with us. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes the way.
the price for all my guilt Who would care that much about me Let me tell you about my Jesus Cause he makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty before we keep going, guys, today. It's going to be out of Romans 6. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot today, just like the grace of God. Um, and this is out of Romans 6, and it's 1 through 5. It says, well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since, when, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So we just want to celebrate that today and celebrate the grace of God. So we're going to continue to worship this morning and just give thanks to him for that, that grace that he gives us so freely. And let's not abuse that.
Can I pray for us? Father, you are so good. God, thank you for that grace. God, thank you that it's a celebration. Father, that we can come to you and that your presence is with us. God, that we just get to worship you and celebrate you for all the good that you are, for all the good that you do for us. Be with us this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat.
pouring out my life gracefully also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know that we may also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive in God through Christ Jesus. So we're just going to take communion now. And I just want you to remember that. Like all that grace, all that love that was poured out for us through Jesus on the cross is so that we don't have to die anymore. We don't have to be separated from him anymore. We get to live with God through him. I just encourage you to spend some time just thanking him for that, celebrating him. We're going to celebrate the Chiefs today. And like, what a gift to be able to celebrate something so fun because of the life that God has given us through Jesus Christ. So let me pray for us and then you can take communion. Father, I'm so grateful for this church. Father, I'm grateful for your presence with us in this church that God, it's people. God, your church is people. It's not this building. Father, we love you so much. God, we need your grace. We need your love. God, we need your correction. We want to live. We want to be dead to sin, to let that part of our lives go and just be able to live fully with you, Father. Be with us this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. It was uh, great to be in Mexico with the uh, Hero Makers trip here uh, a couple of weeks ago and then taking my mother-in-law home last weekend, but it's wonderful to be with you. And so uh, love, love every one of you and just thrilled to be together. And those of you who are joining us online, we're thankful for that too. Have you ever had someone say to you, you look a lot like your dad or you look a lot like your mom? You ever had something like that happen? You know, my mom recently told me that I kind of look like my great-grandfather, who, who I never met, but here's a picture of him. Uh, it's an old picture, as you can see. I, I don't know if you see any resemblance there or not. Um, I, I guess uh, maybe a little bit, but the most part, I mean, without my bow tie and wool suit, I don't quite look like him, I don't think. But uh, here's the point, though. When it comes to this whole resemblance thing, uh, sometimes resemblance is genetic, right? Sort of beyond our control. It's something that happens and you have no control over it. Did you notice that uh, there's a Chiefs going, a game going on today? Have you noticed that? Yeah, a couple, couple of us have noticed that. Uh, I don't know how much you pay attention to this sort of thing or not, but uh, a lot of people have been uh, trying to look like Patrick Mahomes. Have you, have you discovered that? Uh, right now you can go out on YouTube. You can get a tutorial on how to cut your hair. Like Patrick Mahomes, it's like you just you know this bzzz, you know kind of thing, and and kind of a, a modified mohawk. And here's an old geezer guy who's getting it done, and uh, they're not just wearing his jersey, you know. They're they're cutting their hair like Patrick. And how do you think that'd look like on me? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Some some you're exactly right. Not on your life is that happening to me. Uh, but resemblance in this case is not genetic, is it? What is it? It's, it's a choice. It's a choice to, to look like, to imitate, to, uh, to try to resemble somebody. You know, we started a message series a couple weeks ago just before I left for Mexico, and I titled it uh, The Pursuits of Jesus. Remember, I, start, I, startled that, I started that, and if you missed that first message, we talked about how his pursuit, Jesus, one of his great pursuits was his father, and uh, obviously that needs to be one of our chief pursuits as well. Hope you'll go back and listen to that message if you missed it. But today, I want us to see from Scripture that Jesus entered our world in pursuit of a family. He was coming for a family. And specifically, he came searching for people who wanted to be part of a family that would choose to spiritually resemble him. Jesus wasn't just looking for followers to his Twitter posts. Jesus wasn't just interested in adoring fans. Jesus came looking, searching for spiritual children who would humbly and happily devote their lives to spiritually resembling Him and His Heavenly Father. The Bible passage we're going to look at today and focus on uh, reveals four family traits reveals really the four family traits that Jesus' spiritual children have been choosing ever since he began his ministry almost 2,000 years ago. And if you have your Bible, turn in it to Matthew chapter 3 with me. We're going to read a few verses together. As we read them, I hope that you'll listen really carefully because we're going to highlight the family traits that I'm speaking of and we're going to apply them to our lives. Every one of us, every one of us needs these four family traits in our lives, so we bear the family resemblance of Jesus. 
Matthew 3 is where we're going to read. And in this passage, John the Baptist, who helped launch Jesus' ministry, is speaking to a large crowd. And here was some of what he said. We're not going to look at all of it, but we're going to pick up in verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking. He says this, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. Now, let's just pause right there. Who's he talking about? Jesus. This is Jesus he's speaking of. Someone is coming soon because Jesus was just about to launch and begin his ministry. And so John is forecasting. He's foreshadowing who Jesus is and what he's going to be doing and so forth. So he says, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. And then Jesus, the Bible says, went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? You get the picture? I mean, Jesus is coming there. John's been baptizing everybody. Now he's negotiating with Jesus saying, no, 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 no. I'm the one who needs to be baptized. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus says, verse 15, Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is a rich passage. It reveals numerous insights into who Jesus is. It, it tells us and reveals, gives us a picture of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, same place, same time. It gives us understanding about the ministry of John the Baptist, particularly if we went back further in chapter 3 of Matthew. We could talk about several other things in these verses, but for the next few minutes, we're going to reflect on four spiritual family traits that this passage tells us about what it means to resemble Jesus, to resemble our Heavenly Father, what it means to resemble the family of God, to be a part of the family of God as God intends for us to be. And every one of us needs these four family traits in our lives so we bear the family resemblance of Jesus. So I hope you'll listen close, maybe take a few notes, reflect on these, not just now, but in the days ahead, because these, these are really important, okay? Really important. The first family trait is this. We need to... We need to choose to be baptized with repentance. We need to choose to be baptized with repentance. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what are you talking about there? Let me explain what I mean this way. How many of you like to say to your spouse, you're right and I'm wrong? One person, one person likes to say that. Most of us just don't like to do that, do we? I mean, we're just... In fact, some of us refuse to do that on occasion. It's called hardness of heart. It kind of wells up in all of us. It has a tendency to kind of creep in. But we have a tendency, don't we? We, don't, we, we just would prefer not 
to have to say, you're right, I'm wrong. None of us like it. But if we're going to have a healthy relationship, guess what? Every one of us has got to choose. We've got to learn to humble ourselves on occasion and acknowledge, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're right. Well, just as that's true with human relationships, we learn in the Bible that it's often necessary with God. It's often necessary. He has this little characteristic that's complicated for us. Like, he doesn't make mistakes. He's sinless. He's perfect. He's without error. Flawless. And guess what? I'm not. Nor are you. From a biblical standpoint, part of what it means to be a child of God is to grow comfortable, increasingly comfortable, not not because we're careless about it, but to become comfortable with saying to God, God, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I'm going to trust you and obey you more in this particular area, whatever it is. It's just becoming comfortable with that. Repentance is essentially saying that to God. It's, it's surrendering. It's raising the white flag. It's saying to a holy and righteous God, I repent. You're God. I'm not. Please forgive me. Help me to trust you and obey you more. John the Baptist explained in verse 11 of our text, he said this, he said, he said I, notice the wording, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. Now, for this idea to get real clarity and traction in our lives, I need to explain the word baptism as John used it in this particular passage. In this instance, it means immersed. It means submerged. It's like you take something and plunge it underwater. That, that's, that's what the biblical idea of baptism is. It's what it means. It's the Greek word, baptizo. It's what it means, to immerse, to submerge. Now, in our culture, because it's become a religious term and kind of jargonized in Christianity, baptism can mean a whole bunch of things. And in our day, baptism can mean whatever you want it to mean. That's kind of the way the culture is anymore. But in a biblical standpoint, it means one thing. It means to be immersed, submerged. Hear this. Those who bear the family resemblance of Jesus are pursuing a thoroughly repentant, contrite, and humble spirit before God. They're immersed. They're submerged. I mean, they are drowning in repentance is the picture. They're immersed in it. As water completely covers the body in baptism, repentance is to thoroughly flood the soul is the idea of what John's trying to communicate here. So I want to ask you, has your spirit been baptized with repentance? Are you immersed in it? Or are you sort of doing the American cultural thing? Got a sprinkling of it. Just a little dab. My pinky's been baptized in repentance. But the rest of me, I'm doing my thing. 
immersion in baptism, immersion in repentance is the picture, is the picture, the family resemblance. It's a family trait of the family of God that Jesus came pursuing in his followers, those who would choose to be children of his. Second family trait that we all need in our lives that shows up in this text if we're going to bear the family resemblance of Jesus is that we need to allow Jesus to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Hear my language carefully. We need to allow Jesus to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist says this in verse 11. We saw the first part, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. He goes on and says, though, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and to carry his sandals. He will baptize you, notice what he says, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit was first poured out on God's people on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. It's recorded. We've, most of us who've been walking with God know our Bibles a little bit. We kind of know that that's what took place there in Acts 2. And that's, we tend to think to ourselves that's what he's alluding to. But John wasn't really speaking of that. That really was not what John was speaking of. John's point was to draw the attention of his listeners then and his listeners now to the, one, to the one who empowers God's family to grow in God's goodness. He was concerned about the people of God growing in God's goodness, partly because we had time we go back to the early part of chapter 3 where he's contrasting the Pharisees, you know, who like, have the appearance of goodness, but the truth of the matter is they don't prove it with their lives. And he got all, called them sons of vipers and all kinds of sweet nothings like that. Went over really well, by the way. Um, but his point was, his point was, to not, was not to talk about power, spiritual power, which sometimes we think of. We think what he's talking about He's talking about we've got to grow in goodness, and for that to happen, we've got to allow Jesus to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And if our righteousness is going to bear the family resemblance of Jesus, then we need more than a sprinkling of the Holy Spirit. It's part of what he's trying to convey to us. We need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, drenched in the Holy Spirit. We need to be fully immersed in Him and His goodness. Galatians 5.22 tells us that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The text says there's no law against these things, which is just to say you don't have to, you don't need policemen for this. Phys you know, in a civil setting or any setting. I mean, this is, there's no law against this kind of behavior. These character traits all reflect Jesus, his heavenly father, his heavenly family. John's trying to say that when Jesus comes, when he shows up on the scene, he's going to come and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit's goodness. Have you invited Jesus to thoroughly baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Again, not a, not a little sprinkling of him. 
We invited him to immerse you, body, soul, spirit, every crevice, every crack of your soul. It's what Jesus came to do. It's the kind of family he's looking for is people who happily will seek that. It's a trait of the family of God. But if you notice, when John mentioned the Holy Spirit in the text, he didn't stop there. When he referred to Jesus, he also said in verse 11, look at it. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, what's he say? Fire. With fire, exactly. He will baptize you with fire. You know, the third family trait that we all need to accept in our lives we may not like it necessarily all the time, but we need to accept it in our lives if we're going to bear the family resemblance of Jesus. The third trait is that we need to accept that all of us, to one degree or another, are going to be baptized with fire. All of us. We're all going to be baptized with fire. It's a family trait. John goes on to say this about Jesus in verse 12. And it's interesting because this isn't the lovey-dovey Jesus that we tend to think of sometimes. It's more like the Revelation chapter 1 picture of Jesus where he goes here in this verse. But I want you to listen carefully to what he says. He's ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. It's, It's not a happy you know, your best life now kind of image, kind of picture. Let me illustrate, though, what he's talking about. How many of you have ever eaten corn on the cob? There you go, a lot of you. How many of you ever shucked corn on the cob? So many of you, not not as many. Some of you have missed out on one of the great (laughs) adventures of life, which is just learning how to shuck corn. But uh, what do you do with the corn husk after you've pulled it off of the corn cob, what do you do with that? I, I couldn't quite. Throw it away. You throw it away. You toss it. It's worthless, right? It's what you do until somebody one of these days comes up with some dramatic invention that makes them gazillionaires. I, I, but it hasn't been done yet to my knowledge. Uh, if anybody's going to do it, you'd think the corn huskers would, but they haven't yet. Um, you just throw away the husk, right? Here's the point. Every one of us has some chaff, some corn husk in our character. This is why we need baptism in repentance. Because we're all flawed. We've all got chaff in our lives. And because Jesus loves you and me, he fully intends, he strategically plans to separate that chaff, that corn husk, spiritually speaking, from you and from me. How's he do that? He uses the fire of sufferings and hardships that come with life in our fallen, flawed world. He's a master at bringing good out of bad, righteousness out of evil. But the promise of God is this. When he's finished with the process in your life and mine, He's going to gather us into his barn, so to speak, into heaven. And we, the wheat, will be just fine. In fact, we'll be 
Our lives, our souls will be of a quality and a substance and a character that could not be possible had he done it any other way. And all that is, all the, the chaff, the corn husk, all the parts of our lives that have plagued us and tormented us and challenged us and brought pain and hardship and suffering in our lives, all of that will be burned in never-ending fire. Think about that. Never-ending fire. The end result is we're going to more fully reflect the resemblance of Jesus than we ever have in this life. We're going to reflect and resemble our Heavenly Father. We're going to, we're going to resemble the heavenly family of God. I could talk a lot more about verse 12. Some of you know I, I really could. I'm not just saying that. But for now, I do need to ask you, have you accepted that some baptism by fire is going to be part of your life? And it doesn't mean that God isn't in love with you. And it certainly doesn't mean that he's bad or flawed. It doesn't mean that you're smarter than him, that you can figure out ways that he could have done it and it had been done differently. Have you just accepted the fact that baptism by fire is going to be part of your life? I was thinking about James and John who come to Jesus saying, you know, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand and when you come into your kingdom? And uh, he says, well, can you be, can you endure the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Think about it. Think about it. Can you, be, can you do this? They say, oh, yes, 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 yes. Remember what he said? His immediate response was, yeah, you will be. But as to who's going to sit on my right and my left, that's not for me to decide. It's whoever the Father's chosen. What's the point? The point is, everybody, no exceptions, is baptized by fire who follows Jesus. It's a family trait. And we don't have to like it all the time right now. But the reality is, there's a day coming when we'll look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you didn't leave me the way I was. That's what we'll be saying. Real quickly, a fourth family trait that we all need in our lives, if we're going to bear the family resemblance of Jesus is this. We all need to be baptized like Jesus. Like Jesus. You know why John the Baptist tried to talk Jesus out of being baptized in verse 14? Because Jesus was without sin. I mean, quite simply, when it came to his personal character, his spirit and all, he didn't need it. He didn't need it. We had time, we could talk about the theology. He was baptized for us, really. It was a foreshadowing of the cross and all that was going to come, his death, burial, and resurrection, all being foreshadowed in this moment. And the Father's pleased with him, not because he got wet, but because of what he was devoting himself in this act 
committing himself, missionally speaking, to do, which was to die on behalf of all Israel and all God's family and you and me. That's what brought the father great joy. Because the father so loved the world that he sent his one and only son into the world to save the world, right? Not to condemn it. That was part of what was going on there. But John's debating. John didn't understand all of this. And John's looking at Jesus just saying, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. You don't need baptism. And, you know, John, he's a prophet of God. I mean, Jesus says about John, no greater prophet has ever arisen in Israel than John. I mean, he's a paragon of spiritual virtue. He would make Billy Graham look lame from a spiritual character standpoint. I mean, he's an unbelievable man of God, and yet he's saying, I need to be baptized. I'm not worthy to carry the sandals on your feet. This is what he's saying. Nevertheless, in spite of all this dynamic that's going on, in Matthew 3.15, Jesus says this, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Even if you didn't think it needed to be done, John, God expects it. So let's do that. Let's do it. It's the right thing. Some translations say, to fulfill all righteousness. Now think about this. If Jesus, who was without sin needed to be baptized, immersed in water, as the text is conveying here. What about me? What about you? I mean, really, think about it. If he's looking heavenward and saying, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires... What about us? That's why on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people, the Apostle Peter reflexively told everybody in Acts 2.38, each of you must repent of your sins. Okay, think about this. Well, we've talked about it. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you'll receive, what's he say? The gift of the Holy Spirit. You're going to be baptized in fire regardless, but the gift of the Spirit, being baptized in repentance, all of this, it's all right here. So I need to ask you, if you've never been baptized in water, in repentance, in the Holy Spirit. I'm guessing you know what it means to be baptized in fire. It's just how we think about it sometimes. Have you been baptized like Jesus was here in this text? And if you've not, like him, will you decide to carry out all that God requires? It's one of the family traits. 
you'd wear a jersey for Patrick Mahomes. Why wouldn't you be baptized like Jesus? Your life is filled with pursuits. Some of them are trivial. And let's be honest, a lot of football stuff is trivial. A lot of it. Even though I like it a lot. But some things really, really matter. Part of what separates stuff that matters a lot or a little has to do with how long the things related to it endure, endures. Friends, the family traits we're talking about this morning are forever, never-ending kinds of traits that God's looking for from you, from me. He's not really just interested in adoring fans or followers. He's interested in family who resemble him. Jesus came pursuing that because it truly mattered. He came searching for people who wanted to be part of his family, people who would humbly and happily devote their lives to spiritually resembling him and his heavenly father. He came searching, hoping that you, that I would choose to be a family member. Can't think of a better thing for you to do with your life today than to decide... I'm in. I'm in. So you decide to thoroughly immerse yourself into Jesus and his family. Let's stand together. We're going to close in prayer this morning. And as we pray, just encourage you, invite Jesus into your heart, into your life if you've never done that. If you've never demonstrated that faith in being baptized, you know, we've talked a little bit about that this morning. I would encourage you, just let us know. I mean, you don't have to do it this second. I mean, we'll figure out, a, we'll work with you to figure out the time to make that happen. But uh, if you need to be baptized, let us know. If you've never demonstrated that as a, as a testament of your faith, your belief, your surrender. Maybe you'd like prayer for some other need or thorn in your life, um, some fire you're going through, whatever. We'd be happy to pray for you about that too. So. I love you guys. Let's bow our heads and pray, all right? Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone within the sound of my voice in this room and listening via live stream. Lord, our request is that you would help us, help us to walk in your ways. You know that in our hearts, um, we want to be your children. But being honest, Lord, you sent the Holy Spirit because you knew we couldn't make it on our own. You know it was impossible. We need your help. So would you fill us? Would you empower us to do the right things? When you convict us of wrongdoing and sin in our lives, would you help us to have humble hearts to thoroughly repent? Help us to be baptized in repentance and in the Holy Spirit. And we know we're going to be baptized in fire. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit to stand up under those tests and those trials that come, every one of us, into our lives. Help us to have the courage and humility to be baptized like Jesus. 
that like Jesus might one day hear you say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in him, in her, I am greatly pleased. We want to hear that, Lord. Now would you go with us as we leave this place and as we reflect on these things? We'll give you credit for every good thing that happens in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Everybody agreed with me and said, Amen. 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 Bless you all.